Hello everyone, this is uh, Jerry Lee standing in for the Manifester, and we are so happy to have you here with us tonight. <clears throat> we are going to continue, this will be um, uh, the Seventh Seal, Part 2, and I think it will prove to be very interesting. Uh, I just uh, want you to tune your um, syntones in uh, so that you can really focus and uh, really take in this message and allow it to uh, bring you the truth uh, that is in it. So we just uh, are happy for this other opportunity. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to be at some point uh, doing um, a, a Jin Tao, uh, a possibly a little earlier than wait until the end of the teaching. I might do it in between because uh, there's a, a younger person who has a problem that I'm uh, not naming, but that I'm doing this Gentile for, and they may not, may not be able to stay up as late as at the end of the message. So we will see how it goes, how the Spirit leads, and so forth. <coughs> okay, so uh, the, the seventh seal. Um, we are living in a very interesting day, uh, dear friends. Uh, uh, knowledge is doubling right now, and uh, there are scientific, uh, biological uh, discoveries that are just uh, beginning to flood the marketplace and uh, flood laboratories and, and uh, scientific charter rooms, uh, <coughs> space science, cosmology. It's just absolutely astounding and amazing, the things that are happening. And uh, I, just, I just feel that, uh, you know, there's always been like a parallel world. When, uh, when things are happening in the physical world and advancing forward with great discoveries, there are uh, discoveries that are equal and equal and greater that are happening in the spiritual world. And I've always been able to see that and always been able to believe it. So... Uh, well, we're just, uh, we're just thankful of that, and uh, we just uh, are going to uh, not let ourselves get behind. <clears throat> now, um, there, there seems, uh, you know, to be uh, discoveries in science which are, are shedding light on connections between the realm of thought and the phenomena of objective physical reality and this seems to be developing to a greater and greater extent uh, as time is moving forward. There um, is of course um, a quantum mechanical mechanism connecting the mind to the brain and the thoughts themselves are, uh, uh, are uh, have a, a tendency toward archetypes that function as strange attractors. So uh, these emergent orders uh, need to be prepared for. Uh, they need to be understood. We don't want to just pass over uh, what is happening out there in uh, the world field because um, uh, it, it has a lot of application to what God wants to do in the spiritual uh, world field. And, um, you know, there are things like uh, <clears throat> uh, being able to 
superimpose uh, the patterns of our faith, and and uh, this is this is all important uh, because of uh, destructive um, uh, you know uh, interference that is uh, going on around the world, and. Uh, uh, even in people's private homes and in their private lives, uh, there's always destructive types of interference, things that shouldn't be happening but just do happen. And, and they want to uh, interfere, it seems, with, with the uh, advances that people are trying to make in the spirit. And we must overcome that interference phenomena. Now, we want to then be able to add to that <clears throat> that the mind has a has a potential for a higher order for an order of harmonic resonance abounding in higher octaves which provide this superposition uh, breakthrough that I am referring to. These are not things to look at negatively. They are things to understand. And we have to broaden our base of thinking, broaden our base of seership. <coughs> Just like in uh, science days of the past, when they fixed their idea on one uh, single interpretation, uh, quantum theory came along and, uh, and, uh, and moved beyond demanding, for instance, that the photon exist uh, as either a particle or a wave exclusively. In the earlier science, they said it's either, you know, it's either going to, a particle or it's a wave. But quantum theory moved beyond that to a position of describing an object as uh, having uh, both a, the particle capability and the wave uh, qualities. So we must move to understanding these kind of things because they have application uh, in the spiritual world. Now, recently I, I got some uh, emails from some of our listeners, and <clears throat> I take this time to, to thank you very much uh, for the information that you send us. Um, one of the uh, emails uh, was advising uh, uh, how that uh, uh, science is moving ahead in uh, teleportation, that uh, there are two blocks of information uh, that refer to um, uh, minute uh, capabilities of being able uh, to move things in the entangled state through uh, teleportation, uh, and they are now getting ready to move into the third phase, which would be to uh, teleportate uh, energy. Uh, that, believe me, is, is right on the doorstep of new bounds. It's right on the doorstep of an incredible thing, because uh, this is the kind of advanced science that allows people, uh, you know, to move uh, through the vastness of state, uh, the vastness of space in a different state of body, which then allows you to, to go in, into speeds that would even exceed the speed of light, as we have been talking about uh, in, in the past. And then, of course, there was another um, brother who uh, sent me a very interesting um, 
uh, a letter with a lot of information on it of something new that is just coming up, and it's it's a uh, a kind of um, <clears throat> wand that uh, broadcasts this band of energy uh, that has a way of um, restoring uh, molecular construction, uh, whether it's in food, whether it's in a person's body, uh, whether it's in um, uh, other kinds of environmental situations. Uh, it sounded very, very interesting. I can't say I'm endorsing it or not endorsing it, but what I have been noticing is that there are just incredible things happening right now, and, and they're talking about even having wellness centers where they take this wand and, and they just put this energy into your shoulder if you've got a lot of pain in it, and within a minute, two minutes, the pain is gone. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. <clears throat> now, in addition to that, I just happen to know from an inside look that uh, they are advancing uh, with, with uh, some other kind of things uh, ever since that Obama uh, signed the new law uh, allowing stem uh, cell um, uh, transplants, um, this has changed uh, what limitations that the United States was under, and they are really moving ahead, and they say that there has been a discovery now uh, in that area in which they can take any cell from the body, any cell from the body, and they can change it in, into making many, many cells for any part of the body, whether it would be the heart, the liver, the kidney, or even uh, bones. And uh, they are um, already marketing, uh, getting ready to market. It's just getting ready to, to go uh, into the stock market. Uh, I have researched a lot of this information, and they say that they could take a 75-year-old man and he'll become a 40-year-old man uh, because they can just transplace uh, so much of their uh, aging cells. So, you know, we're, we're getting ready to move into a, a time of uh, greater longevity. We're getting ready to move into a time when you're going to need all of this knowledge. And you want to stop thinking about dying and stop thinking about getting old and stop thinking about limitations and rocking chair on the platform program and start thinking like, hey, this manifest revelation uh, all of this information is right now. It's the time right now to get into it. So that's exciting, and I, it's exciting to me, and I hope it's as exciting to you. Now, if you will, turn with me to the book of Revelations, chapter 8. <clears throat> In the book of Revelations, chapter 8, this is what it says. And... When he had opened the seventh seal. And I love that word and. Because in my teachings and in my book, uh, you certainly read about it. How that uh, as a synecdoche, uh, it has potential uh, to mean that there are other things at it uh, that are not uh, apparent. And that because of that, uh, when you're reading this, you have to understand that there is a greater fullness that it has is potentiated, and that greater fullness can be um, uh, revealed either by having a totality 
of the whole text that is referral to those particular specifics that is from the Bible and putting it together collectively or by the Spirit uh, having Holy Spirit interpretation. So it's beautiful, the whole thing. So there's our first word, and, and then the second word, when. And that is another very important, uh, important word because uh, I think so many people ask that so many times. They have a desire for something to happen. They want to see miracles or they want to see wonders or, or they want to, to have their knowledge be manifested in such a way that they have a, a, an acute understanding of it. And one of the things they will say to me or ask me is, when, when, when will this happen? Uh, how long will it take me? When will I be able to do these things? When is an important uh, thing. And when you put that together with the word and, wow, what a conjunction of two words that we have. You know, senectaki and when, uh, that, that uh, adverb, wow, there, there, there's two great uh, uh, introductions to this, uh, to this subject. <clears throat> and then pronoun, he had opened the seventh seal. And you remember from my teaching last week, uh, part one of the seventh seal, uh, the, the reference to the, the lion and the lamb and the opening of the, of the seals by the lion, uh, which was, it refers to the Melchizedek order, and then the actual uh, uh, servicing of, of that information by the lamb. So it's uh, just a beautiful thing. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about the space of half an hour. Now, we, we want to understand, as we're going to be looking into these scriptures, you'll be seeing that there are a lot of statements that are made that absolutely could not uh, be applicable uh, to the specific uh, identification of, of the narrative, that, that, that the meaning has to go beyond the narrative, because uh, if it didn't, then the narrative would absolutely fail to make any sense. And so we have to understand then that uh, we, we need to comprehend all of that. Um, now this silence, the proper word, the better word in the interpretation sense is there was a secrecy in heaven for about the space of a half an hour. A secrecy. And we're going to discover that today as we are examining this word on a uh, kind of forensic uh, approach. Now, it says, uh, you know, there was silence, but we're saying there was a secrecy in heaven for about the space of half an hour. Now, when you take a half an hour, you break that down, that's 30 minutes. Now, in the special kind of of of, uh, of, um, of Quotum uh, math that we do from the manifest, uh, we would in this case strike the zero. So it would end up with just a three. And then we would understand that really what the message is here is that there is this secrecy, and this uh, secrecy, which is getting ready to be introduced, uh, is on three different levels of understanding. And, I, and then here begins, here begins the, the timetable of the 30, 60, 100-fold, uh, the, 
the uh, other side equivalent 30 minutes or the threefold, however you want to approach that in your lane of understanding. Uh, and here it starts at verse 2, and um, uh, it, it uh, goes through uh, verse 6, and that is the period. Those verses, verse 2 through 6, are the verses that in, are incorporated here in this uh, space of secrecy. Like, there is a group of angels, seven angels, and they are being given um, a direct information they are being given this secret information, and this is happening in verses 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. So we're going to read it. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Now, we don't have to guess about the status of those angels. They were angels that stood before God, and to them was given seven trumpets. So in this space... That in one side is called silence, and in the other side we're calling a secrecy. Seven angels, which have this status quo on a very spiritual level of having been in the very presence of God, are given seven trumpets. And we see that right from the beginning of a great revelation like this, that a musical instrument is being introduced, and that... You know, Pythagoras, for instance, he connected science to the vibration of, of strings, of musical strings. And uh, he saw some connection in this music of the spheres. And <clears throat> while they may not have had every aspect of those dispositions 100% perfected, uh, they certainly were on a right track. This this music, this harmonic uh, uh, pot potential uh, that is uh, capable and is presented for our taking if we open our minds to receive it. And uh, so here are these seven angels. Here are these seven trumpets. And these trumpets are so uh, sophisticated. They are so sufficient that you only need one trumpet for each great angel. So this, each of those trumpets have a scale of, of, of performance capability. Uh, each one of those trumpets um, have a melodic capability. Each one of those trumpets is capable through those uh, perspectives of delivering a code of understanding that is all part of this secrecy. <coughs> okay, so um, just bear with me here, and uh, we're going to just take this word by word, piece by piece for a bit. All right, now, verse 3, <coughs> and another angel came. Now, we had seven angels. But this is another angel. <clears throat> that would make eight angels. And stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given him, or given unto him, much incense. <clears throat> now, um, when we see the word altar, you know, people have 
an idea in their mind of what an altar is. But we know from the teachings of Ed, and I will call it Ed for the simplicity, it's actually pronounced different than that, but we know from that teaching, which you can get into our blogs and look that up, ED, that this idea of an altar can be more than just one kind of a thing, and it can be quite sensational. <coughs> so, this angel came and he stood at the altar. Now, it's very important when a person is getting ready to do a job to have a distinction of where your position is and the position you are taking for that job and an understanding of it and a recognition of your understanding <coughs> and a performance of your recognition. And that is exactly what this uh, angel had, all of those things, as he stood by the altar and made it clear that what was going to happen with his job was going to have something to do with an attachment of the meaning and of the significance of the altar. Now, having a golden censer, and there that was the second thing that he was had a placement of, being at the altar, standing, and having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense. Incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. Okay. Now, <clears throat> this does not mean that the angel, that the altar he was standing by was the golden altar before the throne. Uh, but it means that his job was to uh, reveal the pattern, and then that pattern, the altar, uh, let's say on earth, was symbolic of a golden altar that was before the throne. And there's this incense. And in verse 4, it tells a little bit more about it. <clears throat> and the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. Let's read that again. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hands. Now we see, uh, we see the uh, conjunction of merging. This smoke... Uh, which carries the incense. Let's say this Shekinah glory, which carries the incense. And it is brought and it is mixed with the prayers of the saints. Now, why is it mixed with the prayers of the saints? Because the purpose of it is to engender the prayers of the saints, to empower those prayers. And we know that in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 14.2, it talks about uh, the, the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Ghost, uh, being able to uh, speak in mysteries to God. And when you begin to infuse uh, through this whole experience that is being set up here uh, in the Shekinah glory of this incense and infuse it with this, this mystery capability, which, remember, this whole thing is about a time of secrecy, and that ties into the mystery. 
uh, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing, and and it is it it it, it is a capability of allowing and ascending of those prayers, uh, so that it they are actually uh, a, a sensation potential. So <clears throat> we remember things like the Bible talking about the tongues of angels, and we could just see all of that incorporated in this the shekinah glory the tongue of angels the the mystery uh, interpretation power of the holy spirit all mixed in with the prayers of these people enriching those prayers fortifying those prayers engorging them uh with all those uh wonderful uh, uh being a seer type of things okay now we come into um uh past this uh, ascension and and uh we uh we note that all of this happened this tremendous uh flux of happenings this this uh entwined composition all happened uh before god from out of the angel's hand and the hand doesn't limit it to just meaning <coughs> A palm and uh, and five fingers. It it is beyond that. It's much 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 beyond that, and it has to do with the the gift and the anointing of the angel and his character and his capability uh, to to minister uh, this trumpet that he's been given to blow, and it's quite beautiful, isn't it? <coughs> Okay, so um, here we go. Hold on. Now we're going to start at um, at the uh, verse uh, five. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it unto the earth. Now. This is a continued part of the ministry of this angel, of this trumpet. And he takes the censer, and he um, he takes that censer, and this is it's quite beautiful, and he fills that censer with fire of the altar, and he casts it into the earth. Now, the word... The preposition into is quite interesting there, because normally when you would throw something out like that, you'd be thinking of onto the earth, but this is into the earth, and what it's really talking about is a ministry, uh, a a prophecy, um, a seership of the people that are going to be ministered to of this mystery of this secrecy. And they are the earth. And this Holy Ghost and fire uh, is going to be ministered to them. And it is going to have incorporated in it all of these descriptive things that I have been saying in this address to you today. Okay, so the next thing it says, and, the beautiful and again, there were 
voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. Now, uh, I think the voices are exciting. I think the thunderings are exciting. I think the lightning is, is exciting. But if we are to look at the earthquake as just an earthquake, I don't find that exciting at all. It does not fit the connotations. It does not fit the language. Because what it really is talking about is a spiritual quickening that is going to happen to these people who are the, the earth recipients. And they are going to be so uh, quickened, so shooken up with this revelation that they are just going to be in awe. And that's what this is about. And, and it's an exciting and beautiful thing. And that's where this 30 minutes, if you want to call it that, this time, uh, this invoice <coughs> of revelation, uh, uh, marked of secrecy and mystery, and of, uh, uh, of uh, trumpets sounding, and voices speaking, and thunderings, and lightnings, and quickenings. This is where uh, this is all tied together, and it stops right there at that part of the Scripture. It stops right there, and that finishes it. And the trumpets, they, the seven trumpets, the angels with the seven trumpets, prepared to sound. They had now gotten the message. The message was all contained. When you read voices, you don't hear what the voices had to say. And that's where this synecdoche in verse 5 at the beginning comes in, and, because there is, and, the rest of what was said unto them in those voices. And, there was the rest of what was said in the interpretation and in the, the revealing of the mysteries of the thunderings, and of the revealing of the mysteries of the lightnings, and of the uh, revealing of the mystery of these quickenings that here it says earthquake. And that is so beautifully important because later we find out uh, for sure that there were seven thunders. And um, in the 10th chapter, 4th verse, it says the seven thunders had uttered their voices and John was just about to write and the Lord said, no, don't write this, seal it up. The seven thunders are not to be written down, not yet. And so we see that these seven thunders represented a huge book, maybe books and books, of incredible, outstanding revelations that were being given uh, to these seven angels to blow on these incredibly special kind of trumpets, not just regular kind of trumpets, but special kind of trumpets that could, that could uh, toot on three different levels of magnitude. And so, we're just beginning to see, oh my God, you know, open the book, Lord. Open the seals. And now begin to tell us, you know, the rest of what the message is. Tell us the rest of what it means. What was it that the voices were saying? What was it that the thunderings were saying? What was it that the lightnings were saying? What was it that the quickenings were saying? And the seven angels, which had the seven trumpets, prepared themselves to sound. And the first angel sounded. And there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of trees was burnt up. And all green grass was burnt up. 
Now, do you remember when people were questioning Jesus, the disciples questioned him? They said, why are you talking to these people in parables? You know, we can barely understand what you're saying. In fact, we don't even understand ourselves, and we're your disciples. What about these other people, and why do you talk to them? What chance do they have? And Jesus said, you know, it's not given to them to know. But I'll talk to you, and I'll explain this to you, but it's not given to them to know. That's why I talk to them in, in parables. And so we can see that there's going to be people out there, and they're going to read this, and they're going to say, Oh, my God, there's going to be blood, and there's going to be fire mingled with that blood. And a third of all the trees and a third of all the grass is going to be burnt up. And I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Those people that say those kind of things and read this and read it as the setting it is, as though that is the revelation, they don't know what they're talking about. They have never known what they're talking about in these scores. They are not at all... Uh, hung in to the revelation and the mystery because they just didn't get it. Because you cannot read this information like that. Because let's just let's listen to this and you'll see it more and more a lot more and more as we go along. First trumpet sounded, there followed hail and fire. You know, what is exciting? How does that connect? How does that uh line up as, as a um a link? to all these beautiful spiritual revelations. And now all of a sudden, there's this death and destruction. Well, I'll tell you this. The way it works in the Bible, and the way it works in the kingdom of God, is that the very things that can save a person, if their spirit is not right, and if they are in a mood of rejection, uh, it can destroy the person. And and because because... That they do not receive it in the proper uh, proper way, and here's what I'm saying: uh, you know, there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. Uh, okay, uh, well, there must be something they didn't tell us. Uh, whose blood was this? Where'd that blood come from? Now, was there a war somewhere, and just you know, multi millions of millions and millions of people killed, and that's where the blood has come from? And who saved this blood? Was it these angels? Did they collect all this gory blood? And then did they somehow get it back up into the sky and mix it with the hail? And then did they have some kind of a big fire blower that blow the fire and mingle it all together? And then cast it upon the earth so that a third part of the trees was burnt up? You mean a third part of the trees of the whole earth? What are we talking about? Are you talking about a third part of the trees in, in, in a, a mile of area or in a town or you're talking about a third part of the trees in a country. Uh, what are we talking about? You know, there's a lot to be uh, known. Because if it's talking about a third part of the trees of the whole world, and a third part of the of the green grass was burned up in the whole world, if it's talking about that, my God, people, you would have to have so much blood to even represent a small amount that it'd probably take all the blood of every human being that was left alive on the earth. So we gotta we got to look at these things and we have to make sense of them. We have to understand that there's a message in the hail. There's a message in the fire. There's a message in the blood. There's a message in the casting of this upon the earth. And there's a message in the word third. Because you see earlier by, by uh, a, a quantum math uh, that I was revealing to you um, that uh, uh, I, we reduced the 30 by slashing out the O to a 3. And you can easily make a fraction out of that, uh, one-third, 
part of the trees was burnt up. You know, now, evidently, the hail with the blood and the fire, when it came down, it was, it came down, and the hail and the fire uh, and the blood landed on these trees and burned up these trees. And if that's what you want to believe, if that's what you think this message is, then you should hang up right now and stop listening to the rest of my message because you haven't got it right. And if you think that that is what it is and you're not wanting to listen to what I'm telling you, then you're wasting your time and mine because I'm telling you it doesn't make sense. And if you'll hang in here, I'll prove to you as we go on through the rest of these trumpets that it's impossible for those things to be literal. Impossible. And, and so let's just move on here then. Verse 8, And the second angel sounded, as it were, a great mountain burning with fire. Fire is pretty popular uh, in their destructive instruments. A great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and a third part of the sea became blood. Now, I can't think of any very, I mean, most seas are a pretty good size. You know, maybe Galilee Sea is not that big. But, but you know, what is it talking about? It's talking about one of the major seas? Uh, whoa, would that ever have to be a, a big mountain? Um, and, uh, and it's also talking about this blood thing again. A third part of the sea becomes blood. So, so what is dying out there? What is dying? What, is this, is this the, the, uh, the, the creatures in the sea, the fish? Let's read verse 9. And a third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life, they died. So these creatures in the sea, one-third of them. Now, if it's talking about all the seas of the world, ladies and gentlemen, come on. That mountain would have to be so big that if something like that fell on the earth, it would change, it would change the equator. It would, it would, it would misplace the, the, orb, the earth on its uh, uh, axis in its orbit. And a third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. Now, isn't that interesting that just a third part of the creatures died, and just a third part of the ships were destroyed? Come on, there's something missing here. This isn't talking about a literal situation. Let's go on to verse, verse 10. And the third angel sounded. And there fell a great star from heaven. Now, not just any star, not a small star, a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of the water. Do you have any idea scientifically about any star that could fall upon the earth and any human being survive it and the earth survive it? A star cannot fall upon the earth, the planet Earth is too small. And whatever this would, if you'd want to make it into being, even if you said it was an asteroid, it would have to be so huge, so huge. And if it's a great star, a great asteroid, and it fell upon a third part of the rivers, now geology-wise, geographically-wise, <laughs> are you understanding what a great expanse of property and land and distance that that would encompass? 
Are you understanding that if something came at the speed that these type of objects travel and hit the earth and it was burning and 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 with fire and it hit the earth at the speed that it would, it would be traveling through space and it hit covered it was so big that it covered a distance uh, uh, over a third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters you understand that's not literally possible that is not what this message is and the name of the star is called wormwood and the third part of the waters became wormwood and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter now there's a message in here there's an incredible message in here and we don't want to miss it we do not want to miss this message this is extremely extremely urgent that we do not miss it so and the name of the star is Wormwood. There's, there's a deep and wonderful meaning here. And I don't know if I have time to break down all this stuff today. Probably going to have to have a third, uh, you know, seventh seal. But because there's so many other things I know you'll want to hear. And there, there's meanings that you need to know. You need to know about what it means about these many men dies. Because there's other scriptures in here that put limits on how many men can die. And, and we, we have to coordinate all the texts. So that each text uh, uh, contributes uh, an agreement to the other text. Okay. Now, the fourth angel, verse 12. The fourth angel sounded, and a third part of the sun was smitten. Isn't that interesting? A third part of the sun was smitten. And a third part of the moon. And a third part of the stars. So that a third part of them was darkened. Now if you think that's literally. Then you need to go back to school. You need to go back to the fifth and sixth grade. Because that would be how unlearned that you were. And that you are. Because if you have any idea of something hitting the moon. Uh, and the and the sun, and then the stars. Yeah, you, you have any idea of the many light years that every star is from another star, and it hitting all these stars and hitting them with such force and being so huge that it just blacked out, just blacked out these the sun and the moon and the stars. Come on, let's listen to this message. This is the real thing that you're getting here today. There is no way on this earth or in heaven that this could literally be the case. This message that is being given here is not this kind of a destructive method and destructive message that people have been preaching it to be. And they've been saying these things and all the stars, you know, a whole third part of all the stars, they don't even know what they're talking about. They have no understanding of cosmology. They have no understanding of what the vastness of that would be. It would be the end of the earth. Believe me. And a day shone not for a third part of it 
and the night likewise. So there's some kind of a special effect that it gets all blacked out and then it opens up and shines for a third part of the day, that being true of the sun and of the moon and of the stars. That is not the message. The message is interwoven in here. It's this mystery. It's this secrecy. And it's the the mystery of the and. The Senecdoche. It's the mystery of the voices. It's the mystery of the thunders. It's the mystery of the lightnings. It's the mystery of the quickening. And that's what this is all about. And this third is so important because when you get to the twelfth chapter of Revelations, you find out that there was three groups of angels, that there was one-third, 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 three-thirds of angels, three-thirds of stars, which are the angels, and one-third was cast out of heaven and came down to the earth. One-third. And this one-third, 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 one-third is about that story. And we have to pull that out of here because it was given in secrecy. It was given in a mystery. And we have to bring that out of here so people can really see what it's talking about because the beauty of what it is saying in, these, in this parable of, uh, of coded words is enormous and magnificent beyond belief to most people. This is an incredible day, ladies and gentlemen. The seventh seal is being opened. Verse 13, And I beheld, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe. Notice there are three woes to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpets of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. Now when people read this, they think, yeah, you see there, there's a verification. And they don't understand the ministry of inversion. They don't understand the ministry of rendering. They don't understand that woe, woe, woe means holy, holy, holy. They don't understand that what the inhabitants of the earth are really to do is to shout glory to God. Someone says, well, how do you get holy, holy, holy out of woe, woe, woe? By the Holy Ghost. By the interpretation of the Holy Ghost that takes and renders and turns things around from the code that is in here. Now listen to this. Chapter 9, listen to this. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven. Aha! Another star is getting ready to fall. Now I want you to listen to this. Come on! I want you to dig into it, because it's going to open your eyeballs. Let me read it again. And, and, Senefdaki, the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. Once again, a star can't fall to the to the earth. <laughs> the earth cannot ha, does not have room. It's not big enough for a star to fall on it. And to him, 
Oh, this star is not a, a star shining up there in the galaxies. To him was given the key of the bottomless pit. That star was a person, an entity. Now that's revealed in the fifth angel's sounding. So when it talks about the, the, angels, the stars doing this, we have to understand that it's like that translation that I gave about the earth representing the people and representing entities like angels. And here's a star, it says, that fell and it was a person, an angel. And this person had the key of the bottomless pit. Now, there are some times in God when you know in order to really defeat the principalities of the powers of darkness, you may have to reach right down into hell to do it. You may have to do like Jesus did. He went right down into Hades, uh, so to speak, or, or right down into to, you know, upper Hades, which was a special place in Abraham's bosom, a special place that was called paradise, where he told the man on the cross, today you will be with me. And that's where he went, and that man went was there too. And he went there, and in Peter it says that he preached to those persons that were there, those spirits that were there, who had a retention of who they were, and a retention of why they were there. And he preached to them who were sometimes disobedient when the ark was being put together in the days of Noah because they had rejected that call. And he went to preach to them, obviously, for the purpose of salvation. Sometimes when you're working these cases, you may have to go into the black hole. We took this trip, and you may not have realized, you who may be listening or later will be listening to the recording, why we took that trip through the black hole and the way that we did it, scientifically possible. Mathematically possible. If I ever get the time, I will show you those two things. Because people have never been able to chart or figure speed at a hundred times the speed of light. And I'll tell you, there's no black hole that can suck down that kind of speed. All they, it can do is just be there and let it pass through. There was a reason we went through that black hole. That was symbolic of all the hell, of all the darkness, of all the works of Satan that Satan is trying to bring against this ministry and against your lives. And I know Satan hated us for doing that. These were acts, acts of the manifestors. And I know Satan recoiled at it because he knew the language we were speaking. 
He knew what it was we were saying. He knew we were challenging his force, his principality, his darkness. And the Bible says, get a note, note of this, the real war, the real battle, is not the physical chart. It's with the powers and principalities of the heirs of the heavens. Wow. So he opened the bottomless pit. Now sometimes you've got to let out the forces that are preparing for war and not let them get any more prepared. And open it up and say, get out of there. Can't hide here any longer. Get out of there. Come on out here and meet us on a flat plain. And there arose a smoke out of the pit. And I'm sure this was not a Shekinah glory smoke. As the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. That's interesting. According to just one of the other trumpets, the sun, the moon, the stars were darkened and only shown one third. So if they were already darkened, the only thing that was left not to be, that was not darkened was the one third of light that they had. So if this, this other experience happens here, then it would have to be darkening that other third that was not darkened out. And that would mean it would be in total blackness. No sun, no moon, no stars. That's not the message. That's not literal. That's not what it's talking about. There's a deeper, profound insight here. These are the thunders that are talking. These are the lightnings that are talking. These are the quickenings that are talking. These are the voices that are speaking. And this is the time for a priest to stand up with the Urim and Thummim and make an accounting of the people who belong to the call, who belong to this mystery and this insight, whose power of call and anointing makes them a destinata. And he opened the bottomless pit. And there arose a smoke out of the pit as a smoke of a great furnace. And we could call this the black hole. And here, scientifically, is a way of opening it and to allow this energy that has stuck in there by the gravity, supposedly, to be able to escape. Verse 3, And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And scorpions of the earth, they have power to poison, and to bite, and to kill. Now, locusts upon the earth, and what are they going to do? Are they going to be like a plague and go out and 
move over the earth and eat up the trees and tree leaves and eat eat the fields of grain? Well, the, here's here's what it says in verse four. Sedaki <clears throat> and so it means it's a whole lot more than what the verse is going to even say. It's not all there. It's got to be brought up. It's got to be revealed. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Now these locusts, they're not regular locusts. Because they have, call it biological, call it mentally, have been channeled to not be interested in anything green, what does that leave them to eat if they're just locusts? Neither any tree, but the only thing that they are given is people, persons, humans, which have not the seal of God in their forehead. There is something mighty different about these locusts. They're not in the insect realm that has to do with eating grass and leave trees. Of course, even humans sometimes do that. But the thing that is their attention and goal and job that they are being allowed to do, they would do more than that if they could, but limits have been put on them. But any persons out there that have not the seal of God in their foreheads, they are allowed to go and bring their attack upon those people. If you don't think that these, this seventh seal is important, if you don't think that these revelations are important, then you're missing out on understanding that it is those revelations which are all part of what's going to help you to have the seal of God in your forehead. We're talking about the seven seals. This is the seventh seal that we're talking about tonight. The whole message last week and tonight is about the seals. The seals that were wound up, sealed around the book, and all the messages outside the book and inside the book. Wow. And it was given to them that they it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented. This is totally different than what insects do. Those locusts are not insects. They're something else. We gotta get this thing straight, or we're gonna miss out on what the Bible is saying. And by the way, in the book of Revelations, the Bible says that this, this Revelation book is, is a testament of Jesus Christ. And we have to understand then, that is the key. That is the key. Everything that is said in here turns on that input. It's got to come back to in a relationship with that testimony of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the way he lived, the way he taught, the way he fulfilled his life, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. If someone slaps you on one side, turn the other. Put away your sword, Peter. 
That man is not going to be involved, that Jesus man is not going to be involved in his testimony of sending forces out called locusts to torture people. There's a different meaning there. And it's got to be brought out. And they can be tormented for five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. Now, have you any idea the pain that that is to be struck and with the fangs and, and the poison of a scorpion strike and how painful? And to have to have that for five months. Is that what Jesus is going to do? Is that what the angels are going to be sent to do? That is not the message. That five months is a real special number. That five months is a revelation. So, I hope that you're still hearing everything. Uh, my computer here seems to want to flux on and off. We're back now. <coughs> so, we're beginning to we're beginning to see something here. I hope your mind and your heart and your interest is opening up. We need to know, what are these locusts? What are these locusts? Well, I want to tell you that there is evidence in the Bible that these locusts <clears throat> are really not in their original name of what they should be. And I'm calling them praying mantis. And both spellings have applied to the mantis. The prayer mantis, praying, and the P-R-E-Y, the you know, like predator type of mantis. And did you know that the Greek word, the Greek word mantis means prophet? And this, to me, is very, very important. <clears throat> because the locusts and the... The locusts and the... Um, the mantis. They belong... They, they are relatives. They belong to the same family of, of pests. And... There is a, a distinctive thing that that the mantis do that is not recorded of any other insect, according to my study on this, is how they attack <coughs> when they are operating as a predator. Is they bite off the head. They bite off the head. In fact, even... The male, when the male mates with the female, and shortly, within less than within seconds, after the copulation is finished, the female pushes one of her claw points into the male's eye and holds it him down, and then turns around. And bites off his head. 
is also the thing that he does is bite off the head of any of the prey that they go after. Now, I found it extremely interesting, this thing of biting off the head, because what that amounts to is a beheading. It is a beheading. And in the, um, the 20th chapter, in the 20th chapter of, of the book of Revelations, there's a very, very interesting verse. And I'll read it to you. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them who were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God. I saw the souls of them who were beheaded for the witness and the souls of God. This is the action of a mantis, which is a Greek word meaning prophet. This is like a group of soldiers who are under the command of the false prophet. And that's why they're mantis. They're in the prophet ministry, false prophet ministry. And their job is to behead Christians where whatever kind of methods, if it's electronic implants, if it's biological uh, infusions, whatever it is that will remove a person's capability to have his, a person's own will and own decision to decide things that might be against the plan of the King Dragon. Listen to me tonight, ladies and gentlemen. As far out as this may sound, these locusts are the praying mantis. And they are not bugs. They are entities that belong in the camp of the false prophet because they are in the prophet ministry. And that is their name. Wow. Let's go on and read some more. Verse 6. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it. Shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. Now you could just read that and say, oh, well, yeah, you know, they won't be able to die. Well, why wouldn't they be? I don't know of any case in which someone really wants to, to die that that person doesn't find a way, not too difficult either, to kill himself or herself. But there's something that has happened to them in which their mind is in this torment that they cannot make a decision to kill themselves, even though they have this incredible uncomfortableness, this pain of consciousness and of conscience. And they are stuck with it, and it's a mental torment. They're not able to take their own lives. They, they are programmed in prevention of being able to do that. 
Wow. Verse 7, and we're in chapter 9 of Revelations. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses, prepared unto battle. I've never seen any I've never seen any mantis or locust look like that. Let me tell you just a little bit more about these mantis that you may or may not know. They actually grow from one half of an inch to a foot long in size. And almost every part of their their body serves as weapons of destruction. They are capable to bite off the head of a hummingbird. In fact, depending on the size, they have even attacked larger birds, gone right up to their nest, and the birds don't even hardly see them because they're not expecting any enemy like that. And I was reading in this one article how they would just suddenly take a fast bite and a whole part of their their Stomach and breast will just be devoured. Terrible thing, isn't it? Well, before I go on with this, so we don't have to get into the more gruesome part, and perhaps that little girl who's got the, the problem with the stuttering uh, can be put to bed and not have to listen to any more of this part, and then I will finish it after I finish doing the Gentile. <clears throat> so we're going to take time here to go ahead and do the Gentile. Now, as I understand it from the from the email I got, uh, this young lady uh, has uh, stuttering problems and probably may have a little slurred speech also. Now, generally, this is considered a psychological problem. Uh, but that isn't always the case. Uh, Wernicke's area uh, in the left hemisphere of the brain can cause stuttering if, if the cells are sick or damaged. And they even give it a name, uh, cerebellar uh, dysarthia. And there are created deficient zones which are caused by energy blocks. And the nerves get relaxed so that um, uh, electrical impulses cannot get through. And when those electrical impulses are not able to get through in the right timing, that is what causes the stuttering. Now, not all stuttering is necessarily this particular description. But all stuttering does have to do with these effects <clears throat> to one extent or another. So tonight I want to do the Gentile for this um, precious little person. And I'm hoping we haven't scared her off with this um, um, big uh, scary story on the locusts. And we will go ahead and we'll do this Gentile and then she could go to bed if the parents want her to. And then we can go ahead with our, our story. I want to say that I am not a doctor. I want to say that I am not uh, doing Gentile because I am against uh, 
nurses and doctors and medical facilities and and uh, medicines. Um, I'm doing Jintao because of compassion that I feel and have for people that are suffering. And it is something that was revealed to me when I was in when I was in deep meditation. And uh, so I just want to um, I want to um, get this across to you because it is so important. Um, it is so important that you understand uh, we're not some of these people that think we're the only ones that know how to do something or that our gift is greater. But I will tell you this, that it's absolutely amazing, this Gentile. And when I was being listening to one of the um, CDs on this wand thing that I mentioned earlier, where they shoot this sort of a ray out of this wand, and, and it can affect uh, uh, quality of food, and it can eliminate uh, anything in the cells that are, that are, are, are of a, um, a poor quality of status, and it can renew them so that it can eliminate pain. That uh, We have done that very same thing using electromagnetic laser with the Jin Tao. We could actually use do that, and and uh, uh, I was listening to where uh, this person <clears throat> that they worked on had a numb hand, and and that after uh, a while they worked on it, and and she got back part of her her feeling. But not that long ago, uh, we were in California working on a young lady, and her whole uh, left arm inside of the body. Uh, was was numb, and we did this gentile on her, and instantly afterwards, feeling came back into her arm and to the side of the side of the body, and I called not that just a week or two ago, and she still has re retained that healing, and so the gentile thing is absolutely awesome and powerful. Praise be the name of God for that. Okay, if you're ready, here we go. <clears throat> this is for the stuttering. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary to hypothalamus to thyroid, to the lymphatic gland, to the parasympathetic, to the sympathetic neurotransmission system, to the cerebellum, to the white core brain tissue and spinal column. Begin to send uh, neurotransmissions um, uh, across the pons. Uh, send uh, transmissions through the corpus callosum into the various hemispheres. Now specifically, uh, send uh, special uh, uh, energy uh, into uh, the the left hemisphere, uh, where these problems um, originate and uh, and continue, and we want to begin to send energy in there to where um, these uh, uh, deficient zones uh, are uh, are made um, uh, uh, sufficient. Uh, begin to send hormones. Um, begin to equip these hormones. Uh, with whatever um, uh, solutions or energies that are needed to begin to rebuild uh, these cells and these zones. Um, the energy blocks begin to remove these energy blocks. Um, if these are messages, uh, I cancel those messages instantly right now, and I eradicate them. Uh, <clears throat> these relaxed nerves uh, begin to, um, 
to uh, accelerate them, if necessary, uh, move uh, some adrenaline and give them a, um, a, a infusion of adrenaline uh, and uh, stretch this out so that this is going to last. Um, uh, as to the uh, electric impulses, uh, open up these reflex nerves so that the electric impulses will begin to work in the proper order. Hypothalamus to pituitary, two-tier hypothalamus to thyroid, uh, to lymphatic gland, begin to uh, purify the blood system as these um, tarnished type of, of, uh, of defunct uh, energies and, uh, and substances are being moved out of the body, <coughs> purify them through the blood system. Hypothalamus to pituitary, two-tier hypothalamus to thyroid, begin to use uh, the electromagnetic uh, laser energy uh, into uh, the body. Uh, we'll take it up through the side of the neck and into uh, the, the throat area. Begin to uh, prepare that. Begin to prepare uh, the back of the jaw areas. Uh, begin to uh, accelerate and, uh, and make uh, very uh, healthy and efficient the, the cells in those areas and, uh, and along uh, the back uh, of the throat. Uh, if there's any inhibitors, if there's any blockers, if there's any messages anti to this, they are canceled. All right, that's the Gentile uh, for this stuttering and possibly slurred speech, and we'd be very happy to be advised of how everything is going with that. May God bless that precious, precious little human being, precious little daughter. Okay, now we're going to move on with our message. <coughs> pardon me folks I just still fighting this uh, throat thing you know I don't have a sore throat but it's just little what you you call uh, choked up stuff alright it's a good day for being here doing this seventh seal Okay, now we're talking in verse 7, chapter 9, <clears throat> about, uh, we're in Revelations, and the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses, <laughs> prepared unto battle, <clears throat> and their heads, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. And they had hair as the hair of women. Come on. And their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates as it were the breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was the sound of chariots. And many horses running about. These are chariots like the chariots of fire. <coughs> Only these chariots are not the ziths. These belong to the evil side. These belong to the bad side. Hold on a minute. <coughs> all right. And all this iron that it's talking about, <coughs> which is a symbolic, symbolic representation, representation of this special material, has to do with the description of this, this machine, this 
and we call it ZAM. Z, if you're in Canada, and Z, if you're in the States, A-M, ZAM. And these flying ZAMs are these chariots it's talking about here, and they have these stingers, which is a special um, release uh, that uh, they can put into the environment that comes down in the environment and the, the spray affects people mentally. And it, it has, you know, a, a long, like five-month lasting period of time on the people that end up breathing that in. So <clears throat> they're like the sound of chariots and horses running to battle. And if you remember Elijah, when Elijah went up, there was the horses and the horsemen, and there was these chariots. And, you know, those weren't literal chariots, literal horses, literal horsemen. Those were were ziths. Those were spacecraft. And it was being described at that time the only way those people knew how to describe it, because they didn't know words like spacecraft. They, they couldn't understand or visualize uh, some of those things. All they could put it in the vernacular of is the most modern thing that they knew of, which was the chariots. And so they put it like, well, these are flying chariots. But, of course, they were not. And and they, and now is showing that this connection is, is really to these machines here, had tails like into the scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and they had power to hurt men for five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit. See, there we go. <clears throat> now, this angel, which is the king of the bottomless pit, isn't over a bunch of, of insects. He's not over a bunch of insects. So if you've got that in your brain, get that out of your brain. This message is about entities that look human as far as their faces and as far as, as their hair and all those other descriptive things about their body. It's the special apparatus that they wear and the special machines that they use and the special craft that they fly in. And once you begin to understand that, it changes, it changes everything. It changes everything. Now, these are the Zams. And in the lost language of Akka, um, these code word words are very, very important. Now, <clears throat> um, when we look at... Um, at the Strong's Concordance for the Hebrew, the Hebrew. And we go to uh, words like, uh, found in 2194, Z or Z, A-A-M, Zam. And then we go to, um, in Hebrew, Strong's Concordance, number 2130, uh, pardon me, number 2123, the 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 Zimmons are the Zumans. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me, folks. <coughs> I'm trying to um, get rid of this thing I have, and I will get rid of it. And I've lost about 22 pounds with my uh, special way of eating, 
and uh, we will eventually overcome this. But for now, I'm sorry. You just have to put up with it. <coughs> <coughs> sorry. <coughs> Okay, here we go again. <coughs> so the, the Zumans are moving creatures, uh, it says in the Strongs 21-23, wild beasts. Um, <coughs> and uh, another word you can look up is, um, uh, but before I give you that, uh, hold on just a minute. Maybe that'll do better. Okay. Um, the word, another word, you, you know, look up is um, uh, Z or Z, or Z uh, I Y Z or Z or pronounced Z's, um, and it's part of this uh, Zuman, uh, which also, when you follow that through, it turns into a Zam, um, and it's moving creatures. And then we can go on to uh, number twenty-one oh four that you can look up. And this is a, a good one. This is Zam uh, Zumans, and uh, it's both words now together. It connects uh, some of these other numbers I gave you uh, both in this one. And uh, this, uh, uh, you know, used to be um, referred to a very ancient Aboriginal tribe in Palestine. So uh, uh, we begin to understand that, like 2123 that I gave you of the Zumans. And 2104, uh, it tells you right in the text that they mean the same thing. So here we have this lost language that some of the aboriginals used. Uh, and there's many, many things we could develop on this if we had time in this lost language of, of, of uh, Akka. Uh, but it contains within it much information and, and the story of these moving creatures, wild beasts, as it was described here. Uh, which is not any different than the Revelation where it talks about the four beasts and, and the elders. So those, those terms are used um, in, in the Bible, and uh, they, 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 they correlate real well with, 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 with uh, Revelations. Now, <clears throat> what are we trying to say here? Well, what we're trying to say is that there are there are these entities of a future time that Satan is going to use, whether they be cloned or not cloned, whether they be part robot or part android, uh, or whether they be, uh, you know, a total soulless type of energy. Uh, not energy, but totally, yeah, totally soulless type of energy um, construct uh, person. Uh, we would need more time to be able to get into those uh, potentiations. But right now, what we want to tell you and what we want to share with you is that there will come a day. Don't go out there expecting to see these um, uh, zits and, and zams around every corner. Uh, right now, there, you know, there are certain blocks. Uh, but, you know, I know that even though they are not allowed to come here and they are not released from that black hole thing, uh, that the day that will come that they will do that. But they are able to do phototransitions and phototranslations. So some of these people who are getting these awful um, nightmarish type of visions uh, 
and who think that they are really having a literal experience are not having a real literal experience. They are just experiencing a photo transition or at the best a photo translation uh, of, of, a, uh, of a special type. And so uh, they may get these mental impressions, uh, but they're not a literal, actual, uh, physical visitation. Okay, so <clears throat> now let's connect that to another uh, really incredible uh, revelation, I want you to turn with me uh, uh, because we need to take a little little uh, trip over here to Psalms 68:17. So move with me to Psalms 68:17. Very, very, very important uh, share that I want to have with you on that particular verse. Okay, Psalms 68. 17. Okay? <clears throat> now, this is one of my very important uh, verses. In the book of Psalms 68, 17, here's what it says. This is in the King James. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them as in Sinai, in the holy place. Now, this is a very, very important verse. And it uses a, a very important a word, which is part of the, of the Akka, lost language. And that word is where they translated the word angels from even thousands of angels. In many of the other translations, other than the King James, they have taken out the word angel. They do not leave it in there. And <clears throat> it's because they do not understand the code of this verse. Well, when you look that up in the Strong's Hebrew uh, Dictionary, you will find in the number 8136, 8136. It is pronounced Shinons. And these Shinons are messengers. And there is no other place in the Bible that it mentions Shinon, angels, but in this particular verse right here. It is the only place in the Bible that mentions the Shinons. And the Shinon angels are different from all of the other angels that are mentioned. They are not the same. And if you look up angels, you'll discover that these Shinons are different. Now, what is not known, even to the, many of the scholars, most of the scholars, is that when they get into this verse, and they, they go to, uh, uh, to, trans, to, to translate it, and the reason they, they have changed it from this word Shinon is because uh, when you look at the actual word, uh, it says in there, uh, repetition. So what they have done is they have just dealt with these uh, thousands, and they have uh, done a repeat of the, of the thousands, and they have done the repetition because they think that's really what it's supposed to be, and they've taken out the word angel. But what they have missed, and this is part of one of the codes of, of Akka, is the word change. 
there's a word put in there that means change. And what that means is that you have to change the word from from repetition and not use the word repetition. And that is what the translators who did the King James, I'm sure, had an understanding of because it was back a ways in time and they had brought in, they had, uh, brought in some really uh, uh, knowledgeable people that had way back information. And it was a, a code only used once in a while, but when it would say change, it mean uh, even though it says, you know, one thing, you have to change that word in order to get the full meaning. And that's why they end up putting shinons in there, because these weren't just a bunch of dumb translators. These were really intelligent, smart uh, people. There were 70 of them. And so, um, uh, or at least that many, I'm sure. And so, uh, the shinons are not the same as all these others. Who are these shinons? Well, the next verse, verse 18, tells you part of the story. This is where this verse comes in, and it comes in first here in Psalms, way back in time, way back before it's mentioned in the book of the New Testament. Thou hast ascended on high, thou hast led captivity captive, thou hast received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, for the Lord God might dwell among them. And what this is talking about, ladies and gentlemen, what this is talking about is the time that the sons of Enoch were taken up and they were in their their bodies of, of, of chains, which is the molecular chains of the human being, a kind of living Tartaru, and they weren't chained. They were not uh, transcended into a, a transformed uh, new kind of body. They kept their human bodies, and they were translated in their human bodies. They were led, led captive as captive, and they were taken up uh, as men, and these are the ones that were taken up to Artura, which is the, called the Father's House. And, and this is where the Enochs are. Now, we say Enochs, and then we say, well, where are you getting that from? Well, that's like when there was uh, Joseph and um, um, uh, Jacob, and he was given the name, um, he was given the name um, uh, Israel uh, when he wrestled with the angel. And then later, the name Israel came to stand for the whole nation. So it was both a singular name and a plural name. Well, the same thing happened to the name of Enoch. It is a singular name representing the father Enoch and a plural name representing the offspring, the Enochs. And they're also called the Arturians. And they were taken up, and this is the scripture that is telling that. And here's how the MIV says it. For these messengers, in parentheses angels, were the offspring of Enoch, who in a past time were taken uh, with um, uh, with you when you ascended to your father's house, speaking of the Lord, on a planet among a constellation of stars far, far away. Um, the Enochs were taken in their flesh bodies, their spirits still captive in the matter of their rebellious flesh bodies. Nevertheless, your gifts of love 
were sufficient to heal and cleanse the beast bodies they must yet wear. Uh, for Artura is also your physical dwelling place until the time of the first domain in the heaven of heavens. And there, as you come and go uh, in your talking about Artura, you dwell among the Enochs, for they are the the uh, they are the destinatas uh, uh, of the Melchizedek order, and um, that's just a, a beautiful translation there. But we begin to see now we've got these Artursians, and we see that that many times these Artursians, because they are humans, and they are sent down as the Shinons, called angels, because all humans at one time were messengers, were angels, and uh, and of course, one third was cast to earth, and they fell, and they became, you know, people living on this planet. And so, incredible! Listen, now the Shinons, uh, they are the Artursians, and they're the ones that the scripture is talking about, the captive, led captive, captive by Jesus, and and there's many other scriptures we've given some of those scriptures before. But, you know, we'll just have to give them to you as we can. There's only so many hours in the day, so much time that we have to, to get into all of these things. But uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's a beautiful story. It's, it's, a, it's a, a pleasant story. And by the way, that was Psalms 68:17. You want to look up that word, Shinon, uh, for yourself, you, you can do it. But there is the story. And this is all part of what is interwoven. So now let's go back. Let's go back to this um, uh, place in Revelations. Okay? Go back to Revelations, uh, the ninth chapter, and begin to realize when it's talking about the angels took the censer and, and they cast it to the earth and, said it talking, there were voices, what did they say? And thunderings, and what was the message? And lightnings, what was the message? And a shaking, a quickening, what was the message? All of this stuff is interwoven in here. It's interwoven in here, ladies and gentlemen. All this thing of the, of the locust meaning the mantis, all this mantis being the contra of the Shinons, the Artursians, the sons of Enoch, and this futuristic war that's going to happen between them as they try to come and attack, you know, the earth. And the, and the other kinds of angels will be involved, uh, the cherubim and the seraphim. Okay, so let's go on here. Uh, we stopped at verse 11. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue his name is Apollyon. One war is passed. Behold, there comes two woes. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. And and now we we find out about the horns that this altar had, which was similar to the horns that was was uh, uh, put on the altars that Moses used. Saying to the sixth angel, which has the trumpet. Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And of course, here is an incredible revelation. Incredible. Because this incorporates 
the four angels bound in the river because we have the 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 Pison, the Gihon, the Hidekel, and the Euphrates, the four rivers that came out of Eden. <coughs> and these four rivers that came out of Eden, uh, those four rivers, those four rivers that came out of Eden, they are the rivers that, um, that represented genetic rivers. And, you know, we've done teachings on this, and we've proven this by the Bible, how that uh, like I think it's the eighth chapter of of Isaiah, for instance, that talks about this uh, river of uh, of humanity that came across the land, warring with their neighbors and and rivers. And uh, in the seventeenth chapter of Revelations, it says that I've talked about this woman sitting on the waters, and the angel said, "I'm going to interpret this to you, John, the, the, because you're asking the waters stand for nations, people, kindreds, and tongues." So the waters, the rivers represent people. And so you have these these rivers going way, way back in time, incredible way back, back maybe millions of years, uh, and there were soulless people. And these soulless people uh, did not have souls, and the first person with a soul, not the first human being, but the first person with a soul was Adam. And that's why in the sixth chapter of Genesis, it was such a big thing when the offspring of Seth, the offspring of Adam, began to intermarry, because they had souls, began to intermarry with the children of men, those people that were of these other tribes and other nations that did not have souls. Because that would destroy the souls from continuing to perpetuate. So that was a huge, incredible disaster that was happening, and part of the reason why the world fled, all those kind of things had to occur. All of this kind of information is is compacted in here and and the 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 Euphrates River is the river in which uh represented Adam and his offspring and and it is the one that is alive, but what it is saying is the sixth angel is going to loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates this whole revelation this whole knowledge uh is going to be is going to be set free. And people are going to find out this truth about what all the rivers uh, represent and mean. It's been bound up. I mean, this secrecy, these mysteries are going to be known. And the thunders are going to speak. <coughs> the lightnings are going to flash. Uh, there's going to be incredible revelation known. And, uh, and the four angels were loosed, which prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay a third part of the men. And you've got all these different sections of third, this, third, that. It's all about this story of the third uh, uh, group of angels that fell from heaven and were cast down to the earth. It, it, it's a story that is all connected and linked to that. <clears throat> and I saw the horses, and they set on them, had breastplates and fire and zinc uh, and jacinth and brimstones. <clears throat> And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions. Out of their mouth issued fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these three and three, the third part of men killed by the fire, the smoke, and the brimstone which issued, issued out of their mouth. And if you just take and you add these, the third, the third, the third, a third killed all these men. Another third killed all those men. Uh, there's nothing left. So it's obviously... A repetition, and there is a spiritual 
uh, revelation that is applicable uh, to all of these scenarios so that they are all fitting into uh, an, an, a developing revelation and a groove of revelation that when you finally enter into the density of it, you're able to see it in such a, a miraculous and beautiful, uh, spontaneous way that, that the books are open, the seals are lifted, and it's an incredible thing. Okay, and it goes on to say, for their tail is in their mouth, uh, for their power is in their mouth, and in their tails, for their tails uh, were like uh, serpents, and, their, uh, and they had heads, and with them they do hurt. Uh, and, you know, I mean, this is all part of this revelation. Remember, it was the tail of the dragon that cast one-third of the stars down. There's meanings in all those things about tails. Uh, in the, for instance, with the dragon, the, the reproductive organs are in uh, close to the, the tail area. Uh, there's meanings of all that. Um, and the serpent thing and, and the heads and, and with them they do hurt. Uh, that, that all has specific meaning, which we don't have the time tonight to get into. And we're going to have to sort of bring this to a close. But um, uh, for their tales, okay, and so forth. Verse 20. And the rest of the men which, which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of the hands, uh, that they should not worship devils, and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone of wood, uh, which neither see nor hear nor talk, neither repent they of their murders, nor of their uh, sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. And so we're going to have to stop there uh, because we're just getting ready uh, pretty soon in chapter 10 where it goes into the pillar of fire and the little book is opened and the seven thunders get involved. And that is an incredible teaching. That will set you on the racetrack. That will set you to galloping uh, toward the kingdom of God like you've never galloped before. And so we are into the second part of the, the, uh, seven, the, the seventh seal. And uh, Lord willing, we will continue one more teaching to sort of finish it up, possibly next week, uh, part three. And then we'll sort of also take and uh, and draw a conclusion of all that what we've had, fill in some of the parts that we weren't able to to get into today because of time, and it will be exciting, exciting, exciting. So again, we're coming to the close of this uh, teaching, and we thank you for being here listening, and may God open your mind. May he open your heart. May he cause you to breathe fresh airs of the Holy Spirit. May this energy that we are speaking of energize you.